What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Six interceptions, huh? Six interceptions last night from Vernon Adams Jr. I know Ryder fans are happy. Hey, the BC Lions, they took an L. Looks like the West is wide open through a couple weeks of the year here. Argos 45, BC Lions 24 last night on a Monday night special in the Canadian Football League. Today's show is for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery Products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. And yeah, what a game that was last night. was not expecting that. I am going to say, though, I am happy because... I won my bet, Blaine Wyland. I won my pro line. I won a measly $43 because uh, the Toronto Argonauts won by more than four points last night. So I'm a happy man today. Supper for the night. Supper Supper's, for the night. Supper's paid Maybe for. Maybe a couple hot dogs at Curry Field tonight as the Red Sox are back at the friendly confines tonight after a few days off. And actually, if you plan on going to see the Red Sox this week, you can either go today, you can go tomorrow, You can go Thursday or you can go Friday because they play every single day of the week uh, this week. So take it in. If you haven't been to a Red Sox game yet this year, highly recommend it. It's a a great product and some uh, great times had at Curry Field. But uh, talking about that game quickly last night, uh, that was, you know, that was a CFL record for most uh, well, no, I should say the CFL record is seven for most interceptions thrown in a single game. Uh, but four quarterbacks have done six in a game on, yeah, four separate occasions, most recently by Matt Dunnigan in 1990. Vernon Adams Jr., he threw six last night, three of which were picked off by Robertson Daniel. That was uh, some type of game he had, one for a touchdown. He took one to the house to to rub some salt into the wounds. And uh, also legendary Buffalo Bills quarterback Jim Kelly saw he was in attendance last night at BMO Field. He was uh, shown standing up cheering. Uh, Blaine, what's the difference between Chad and Jim? Do you know the difference between those two? Like in terms of their playing styles? Uh, just, Just in general. 
One has a ring and one doesn't. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. That is just the oldest one in the books, but here I am, cracking oh, jokes to kick off the oh, show. those poor Buffalo Bills in the 1990s. Yeah, four in a row, four straight L's. So the Toronto Argonauts, they're now 3-0 and for the first time in 32 years. 1991 was the last time they were 3-0. and And uh, by the way, they went on to win the Grey Cup. That was that a rocket year. year. Yeah, that was Rocket Ishmael and John Candy and Wayne Gretzky. And Bruce McNall. Yeah, all those good fellas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was an entertaining game last night, though. But uh, that wraps up the week in the Canadian Football League. We won't have to wait long for some more football because just over 48 hours from right now, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be hosting those Edmonton Elks at Mosaic Stadium. And the big topic of the week, yeah, well, I want to say it's kind of the injury problem that uh, the Riders are having right now. You know, coming off the bye, a lot of fans were thinking, oh, we're going to be nice and healthy, ready to roll. Unfortunately, this is the game of football. Things happen. Uh, Things happen. And as it sits right now, I'm not quite sure if Peter Godber will be starting at center on Thursday. And if he's unable to go, more than likely, Logan Bandy will get the call at center, and uh, we heard from Coach Craig Dickinson yesterday on the sports cage on the Craig Dickinson show. Uh, Dickinson said that they are still trying to, you know, weave through a few things as far as Jake Winnicky's injury. Not quite sure what's going on there yet, so uh, he might not be in the lineup. But the good news is Jaden Dalkey, he's been practicing all week, and uh, Jaden Dalkey is getting set. It appears to be back on the field on Thursday, and uh, we caught up with Jaden Dalkey after practice today. Jaden, how did you feel after, I guess, being back in practice this week? Uh, relieved, and it felt good. felt good moving around, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Can you, I guess, describe what you went down with, I guess, and what caused you to miss uh, the Week 3 matchup in Calgary? Yeah, it was a, uh, we had a fracture on one of my floating ribs, or two fractures, and then uh, um, one was displaced, so we had to get that pop back in real quick. So did the bye week kind of help you out there, just to allow you to only miss one game, it looks like? Yeah, for sure. It was uh, a lot of my muscles had spasmed in my lower back and just trying to protect it. So time definitely helped uh, to loosen that up and recover. I guess before you went down with the injury, uh, what, were, what, what was your thoughts about your play for the first two weeks? I was, I was pretty happy with it. I wanted, uh, obviously I wanted to play more in Winnipeg, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the right call. I wasn't moving the way I wanted to, but first week that was, uh, that was like one of the better games of my career so far I was I was very happy with that so I want to keep that trending can you talk about your ability to harness a physicality when you're on the field you know your timing your your um, knockdowns and your your breakups uh, perfectly mm-hmm. through the first two weeks just talk about that ability not to uh, draw any extra penalties in the place yeah it's always it's always uh it's a it's tough not to draw the penalties I think it's a lot of the penalties like targeting are obviously very one-sided when it comes to protecting the offensive players but I mean a running back could come through and lower his head at me and that's not targeting so it's always it's always tricky but I've been hitting like that for a while now so I have some reps at it and then it was just getting the speed of this game and which I took from last year to catch up and seeing it has become a lot easier. 
What are your thoughts on wearing the retro jersey on this week? Love it, yeah. love it. I thought I think that only once a year is like it's too few. I love the retro jerseys. I already got my last year's one uh, framed up in a box at home, so it's awesome. What is it about it that you love so much? Uh, I like the old uh, the old symbol. Like something about the old old logo it looks sick, and then I just like the white stripes. It looks classy. It looks clean. I mean, uh, are you an old soul in a way? Do you appreciate retro stuff in general? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an old so I'm not I'm not like one of those guys that has like a record player and I collect a lot of vinyl or anything like I still still have AirPod Pros and shit in my ears so like I don't necessarily think I'm an old so no. But in terms of the safety, would you call yourself an old school type of player? I do like uh, like I do look up to uh, some of the old school guys for sure. Um, like Ronnie Lott is one of my favorite free safeties that I ever play the game, and I, yeah, I just, ideally I try to take their uh, their old school mentality of like it's not just an interception all the time. Sometimes a big hit can change the momentum of a game, and uh, trying to decide whether to go for the ball or go for the body depends on situation. So yeah, nice to be coming back against Edmonton, or is it just kind of another game? Just another game, but it was an important game. Like I wanted to make sure I, I was healthy enough to come back after the bye week. Uh, it was tough. It was tough watching everybody out there on like from the sideline and watching them get that win against Calgary, especially in the fashion that they did. So I just wanted to make sure I was healthy throughout. You talked about uh, making a big play, big hit that can change momentum. Mm -hmm. How do you find about this defense? I mean, whether it was week one with the goal line stand, yep. the interception against Calgary, that this defense has the capability across the board to make those plays at all positions? Yeah, very, uh, very veteran group, very dynamic group, and uh, we're all just, and I think we have a lot of depth too. Like, I think we'd be surprised with the amount of depth. Like, there are players that have had to step up early already, and they have. So I think it's a great group to be a part of. That's Jane Delke after practice today. I love that question from Rob Vanstone asking him if uh, he's an old soul at heart. And Jane's like, well, you know, I wouldn't quite say that. But uh, just a few minutes ago, the injury report has been released. So I can tell you that uh, uh, Jake Winnicky, we were talking about him to start the show today. Jake Winnicky is out for Thursday. Gerald Hawkins, by no surprise, is out. Uh, Jane Delke, yes, he's on track to play. And uh, the other big one, Peter Godber, is officially out on Thursday. So it's looking like Logan Bandy will get the call at center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And another thing to note as well, Colin Kelly along the offensive line, right tackle for the Riders, is questionable with an illness. So Blaine Wyland, are you concerned about this offensive line? You know, if we don't have Peter Godber, if the Riders don't have Colin Kelly, you know, I, I don't know, testing the depth here. What do you think, my friend? That's exactly the depth. It's, you know, it's okay, I think, for the starting five. But if another player would go down, then, yeah, then you're really reaching right there. So, yeah, definitely the depth will be tested on Thursday. You know, because you look at it across the board, you know, go, going into Calgary, we had basically the five guys that we wanted starting at uh, or in every single position yeah. along the offensive line with Hawkins, you know, Kelly, uh, calling Kelly in there as well. And I'll just fast forward a couple weeks, and now it kind of feels like we're back at square one in a way, that where we were before that. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. The tackles were back to square one in terms of week one with uh, Council and Lofton, it looks like, will be the starting. Well, we'll see about uh, Kelly and his illness, but it would be mm -hmm. Council and Lofton, uh, the starting tackles, like they were in week one and week two. And I don't think it was a situation with uh, those uh, two players' efforts in the first two weeks that it was a situation they were, uh, you know, benched. It was just a situation 
situation yeah. where Hawkins and Kelly came off and replaced them. It's a little uh, bit different. They were just trying to upgrade at the position, and then uh, obviously it hasn't worked out to plan due to injury and stuff. Uh, looking across uh, the board at the injury report here, Kalijah Lipscomb, he has an ankle. He's questionable. Brent Lother with a leg, questionable. Micah Johnson, hip, also questionable. I already mentioned Colin Kelly. Uh, TJ Brunson, doubtful with an illness. Jeremy Clark, healthy scratch. And I think we pretty much went through it all. Roland Milligan Jr., he's on track to play, it looks like. He's on the injury report, but... uh, No designation. No designation, so that's a good sign for Ryder fans and for Roland Milligan Jr. And uh, Trevor Harris, he's also on the injury report uh, with that back problem, but no need to worry. I'm not scaring people here. No designation, so Trevor Harris will be your starting quarterback on Thursday night uh, versus those Edmonton Elks. And those Edmonton Elks, They've been busy, you know, the past couple of days here. They have traded that disgruntled Canadian linebacker Kevin Francis to the Ottawa Red Blacks finally in exchange for a fourth-round pick in the next year's CFL draft. Francis signed with the Elks back in February, it was, but then basically right after he signed, he asked to be traded or released from the team uh, the following month due to that contract dispute. He never reported to Edmonton and then uh, was added to the team suspended list at the start of the training camp. But uh, Kevin Francis finally finds a new home today. And the Elks have also signed former rider Jordan Reeves. Uh, that's a day after that the riders signed uh, offensive lineman. Name is escaping me off the top of my head. Uh, Brett Boyko. Uh, Brett Boyko. Uh, went to Edmonton yesterday. And this is big news across the Canadian Football League today. The Ottawa Red Blacks have officially named Jeremiah Masoli their starting quarterback for Saturday's game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Masoli has been out for a year with that leg injury he sustained early last season. Uh, Nick Arbuckle, he started the club's two-season opening losses. Didn't really go too well for him. Uh, Tyree Adams... You know, it didn't look too bad. It wasn't really star shining by any means, but he helped lead Ottawa to a win over the, those Edmonton Elks this past week. But uh, Masoli, he got first-team reps today for the first time this regular season, and uh, he is penciled in to get the start versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats this weekend. Masoli, uh, he completed about 67% of his passes last year. Uh, it was his first year in Ottawa. He had about 1,000 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The season was young for him before he went down with injuries. So, uh, you know, it's good for the Canadian Football League to get all of its starting quarterbacks back on the field. And that's good news for the Ottawa Red Blacks. So it looks like things are looking up in the nation's capital. They get their first win of the year, and then they get their quarterback back on the field. So, uh that's good news for them. We got a great show lined up for you today. Don Hewitt, Heroes and Zeros at the bottom of the clock at about 335. Arash Madani, Coast to Coast at 405. And the photographer for your Regina Pats, Keith Hirschmiller, will be joining us at 420. He followed the whole career Connor Bedard had with the Regina Pats, dating back to his first year in the bubble all the way to being drafted first overall by the Chicago Blackhawks, Keith Hirschmiller. Not many people, you know, got the perspective that he got ice level every single home game. So it's going to be interesting to talk with him in hour two. Kyle McIntyre, SJHL commissioner, will join us at 435. And press coverage with Glenn Suter as well 
at 535 right here on 620 CKRM. Suits was calling that game last night alongside Marshall Ferguson at BMO Field. And uh, I'm going to ask Suits about that. It's not often that he calls games uh, really at BMO Field in Toronto. He's usually, uh, you know, the West Coast type of guy. And he's usually always in Mosaic Stadium, Commonwealth, BC Place. Sprinkled in a few Eastern games, but it was great to see Suits on the big screen last night. All right, we are going to hit the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries today on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Yeah, it's a 7 o'clock kickoff on Thursday night. Edmonton Elks in town taking on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Our pregame show will be on the air with Countdown to Kickoff at 4 o'clock. And then a very special sports cage and one-hour edition of the sports cage. Michael Ball will be back in the big chair from 3 to 4 p.m. before uh, he heads off to Mosaic Stadium. To call the big game, cannot wait for it. And uh, Taylor Cornelius, of course, will be getting the start for the Edmonton Elks after their weird little little experiment with uh, Daggy. I don't know what that was about, but uh, Taylor Cornelius, you got to believe that he will have a chip on, a chip on his shoulder on Thursday night after being pulled. After going fourteen of eighteen, I don't know. I don't know. I would have a chip on my shoulder, but. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game on Thursday. I think uh, initially, like yesterday, I was all like confident saying live on the air with Michael Ball that the Riders would just cakewalk this game. But then I started thinking, like, I totally forgot about the Taylor Cornelius narrative. Like, I, for some reason, the Daggy was still in my mind. No, Daggy. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it, correct? This daggy. It's every daggy weird. has his day. Yeah, every daggy has its day. <laughs> well, not Jared this week. Not, the past week, not though. that daggy. <laughs> Taylor Cornelius. Hey, the last time I think it was the last time Cornelius played at Mosaic Stadium. He ran wild. Yeah, on the Riders last year, late yep. last year. Like he looked like Mike Vick running all yeah. over the place, bombing, you know, throws mm-hmm. down. Oh, man. Now I'm just <laughs> feel like I'm having a fever dream. No, I think the Riders should be okay, though, going into this game uh, on Thursday. Uh, the O-line, of course, is a question if you missed it to kick off the show. Well, the injury report is out, and Colin Kelly, he has an illness. He is questionable. Uh, Gerald Hawkins, of course, no surprise. He is out with that knee injury. Uh, in the receiving core, Jake Winicky, he's out with a knee. And the good news, Jane Dalkey, he's back uh, from that back injury. Hey, let's get this out of the way because this happened today. And, uh, you know, I don't know if this deserves to be talked about on a sports show or not. But here we are. After a lengthy weather delay today, uh, well, the event was actually canceled. Then Joey Chestnut, he rallied the hot dog eaters and basically basically said, hey, no, we're doing this thing. We are slugging these dogs down our hatch, and we are doing it. Like, all these people came out to watch us eat these hot dogs. So the hot dog eaters, they hit the stage, and then once again, by no surprise... Joey Chestnut, he once again came out on top. He downed 62 hot dogs. 
And this is the 16th time Chestnut has won this. I think it's called the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition, if I'm not mistaken. But it's the 16th time Chestnut has won this thing. A little lower, though, on the total compared to last year. He ate 63 dogs last year, and a couple years ago was when he set the world record of 76 hot dogs back in 2021. (sighs) But... uh, you know, I was scrolling through my social media, and I I know maybe it's like a half joke, like these companies, these teams, whatever, are half joking. But when people are sending out comparisons between Joey Chestnut saying he has like nine more championships than Tom Brady and stuff, it just kind of gives me the shivers. Like, since when is eating a sport? I don't know. Am, am I... Am I uh, that, that that would make everybody an athlete, wouldn't it? Maybe that's the appeal of it, though, for the everyday man to watch themselves on TV for that one time. But I have, I, I, I mean, have. seriously, yeah, no, it's not. But I mean, for the one day of the year aspect, the novelty aspect, yeah. I guess you know. But maybe I'm just taking this a little too serious. But yesterday, I didn't even know this competition was happening today. By the way, like it caught me by surprise. I. And, you know, I opened up Twitter and all of a sudden there it was. Yesterday I ate three hot dogs, was stuffed. And by the way, uh, 62 hot dogs. Here's a fun fact for you. That's around 20,000 calories Joey Chestnut gulped into his hatch this afternoon on that stage. And man, he always looks so sick after that final dog. Oh, like he it. looks like his life is ending. So, uh, but yeah, that that happened today. Uh, Joey Chestnut, once again, your uh, hot dog eating champion. Uh, He's gonna be back here in Jen a couple weeks. That's right, too. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't talk too much trash about him because we love him. We, we that would have been something though. If they would have canceled that. I would have made that event in Regina even more bigger. But I have a feeling behind the uh, amount of uh, bets that were placed. Yeah, no, <laughs> Chestnut wasn't having any of that. He rallied the hot dog oh, yeah. eaters. He yeah. went to the back there and he basically <laughs> took him by the scruff and like dragged him onto the stage. And he started cursing. I heard and said, "You know, we aren't going anywhere until we slug these dogs." Wait till the documentary comes out on this uh, thir- the 30 for 30 on this hot dog eating contest that's yeah, just craziness <laughs> other news that actually matters in the sports world today hockey canada has named katherine henderson as its new president and ceo henderson has spent the past seven years as the ceo for curling canada so now uh, switching roles to be in the hockey seat the ottawa senators have re-signed travis hamannock to a two-year 2.2 million dollar deal and uh some baseball news today los angeles angels all-star outfielder now this just sucks because you look at this calendar one week from today is the midsummer classic the major league baseball all-star game well la angels all-star outfielder mike trout He's headed to the 10-day injured list with a fracture in his hand. I saw that yesterday. I was actually watching that game. It was just on the backswing. It looked really innocent, but there it was. Unless I missed something that happened elsewhere throughout the game. But uh, So Trout is on the... 10-game injured list, and he is set to start, or was set to start in the All-Star game one week from today in Seattle. And the Blue Jays, they've been struggling lately. They are in the south side of Chicago tonight, starting up a three-game series versus the White Sox. Chris Bassett gets to start on the hill for Toronto. Heading to break on the other side, we will have your Cougars in the cage, and then the Professor Don Hewitt has his heroes and zeros all lined up for you. I have a zero in mind 
that I think might be on Don Hewitt's list. But, uh, you know, don't quote me on it. Maybe Vernon Adams Jr., I think maybe six picks is worthy of being on the list. But we shall see with the professor on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. 335 inside the Sports Cage. All of today's guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. As always, order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite. Wouldn't that be nice? And, uh, well, just over... Hmm, just over 11,000 fans watched the Toronto Argonauts defeat the British Columbia Lions last night on a Monday Night Football Canada style. And that was some type of wild game last night. And uh, really excited uh, to talk to this next guy because uh, this is a weekly installment. And it's one of my favorites with the Professor Don Hewitt. It's Huey's Heroes and Zeros. Don, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm waiting for an elaborate intro. No, yeah. Big well, voice saying st- my name, st- I guess. Still in the works, Don. Still in the works, you know. <laughs> our, our, our zeros pa- and zeros. Uh, well, here's a zero I never re- even thought of. Yeah, let's get right. Let's get said it. How about how about Argonaut fans not showing up to watch the Great Cup champions? I mean, it seems like they're a little more robust than a year ago in terms of how they're having fun in the stands of the winning football team, but. Yeah, it, it's it's sad that there's not more than eleven thousand fans there last no. night to watch a, a darn good football club. And they, but that, that wasn't one of my no no. But I was so gonna I'll throw that as a sidebar. Yeah, I was gonna say though they have to find a way to flip the TV camera to the other side because they always sell out or clo- closely sell out the one side behind the benches. Mm-hmm. But the opposite side, once a kicker like kicks off or something, when the ball's in the air, the camera obviously follows it or whatever. You see nothing but red seats. It just uh, I don't get it. Like they gotta either you know sell the tickets on one side of the field or flip the camera around, figure it out, do something. But uh, well, hey, you, yeah, go ahead. Well, it was so bad uh, prior that there was absolutely nobody on the other side of the field. At least they have some fans now, not very many, because the reality is if they had 11,000, some whatever they had last night before they were getting eight. Mm-hmm. So uh, weirdly enough, they're actually real bodies in the stands. They're, they've actually had a bit of an increase because of uh, probably winning the Grey Cup. Uh, just lucky that the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uses the Toronto Argonauts as a tax write-off for all the profits they make on teams like the Maple Leafs and the Raptors. Uh, they're really the only owner that you could ever find in Toronto that could, in any sort of long-term way, uh, maintain and keep a CFL franchise going with the amount of support they get. And Let's just hope, you know, with Colin Kelly coming on and getting better at quarterback each and every game, it seems that uh, some fans will finally take a bit of notice and start showing up. Yeah, and and, uh, Chad Kelly's uh, uncle, Jim, was in the stands last night. And, Mm -hmm. hey, before we get into the Hueys heroes and zeros, just without giving away your hero and zeros, just maybe, like, talk about the game last night. I'm sure you watched some of it, if not all of it, uh, 
really weird type of football game. I'm, I'm a happy camper, Don, because I won myself $43 because the Toronto Argonauts won by four points or more. So I was cheering, yeah. for, the, I was cheering for the double blue last night, but I was not well, expecting, I was not expecting, uh, you know, that type of performance. Hey, if you were the head coach of the BC Lions, would you have left Vernon Adams Jr. in there or would you, you know, pull him and put in Dane Evans because he was left for the Wolves yesterday. That was that was really weird to watch. Right. Uh, well, I mean, and sadly, we'll talk about him in a bit because mm-hmm. I had to put him in as one of my zeros, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are some games, I think, Zinger, when, uh, you know, you're, a quarterback just isn't seeing it. It's not his day. Uh, whatever's going on all around him, he's, he's, he's you know, lost his awareness. Uh I'm sort of repeating myself with, you know, what I'm going to be saying about him shortly. But mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes you have to just say it's not my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, next week could be my day, and I, I just I need to sit down and take a look at, at what's going on out there and, and try to calm down. And that's why probably I would have had him pulled. But I, I think you know what Coach Campbell was doing in, in BC was he he didn't want to ruin his confidence in pulling him because I think Vernon Adams takes it so hard when he's pulled as a, you know, I think all quarterbacks do. And he was trying to give him some shorter underneath routes and towards the end of the game, uh, you know, the Toronto defense was sitting back in sort of some soft zones. And so I thought he wanted to, you know, rebuild his confidence. That was his thinking, but personally, you know, you've probably got the most experienced and arguably best backup quarterback in the league. You might as well get him some reps, you know, uh, with the BC Lions. Uh, and But, yeah, I, I didn't really agree that it was the best thing. But also, I know that Vernon Adams is fragile. And to a certain degree, he's sort of fragile. And uh, But at the same time, I think Dan Evans could have had some reps. Yeah, we'll talk more about Vernon Adams here in a couple minutes. Uh, first, Don, is this a wild, wild west wide open? Like the BC Lions, they looked pretty vulnerable last night. Uh, big part was Vernon Adams throwing six interceptions. But as it sits right now, the standing's pretty much wide open. Uh, for the first couple weeks there, you know, the BC Lions, everyone thought, oh, no one can beat this team. Well, we saw yesterday, albeit they did play the defending Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. But uh, things are looking pretty good in Ryderville right now. I know it's still early, but uh, it's uh, something to be positive about going forward, knowing that, Possibly, maybe a home playoff game could be in the making in November? Possibly, because uh, they've got Saskatchewan, I mean, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. A great move to bring uh, Trevor Harris in. And you look at his peers across the the West, he's looking pretty darn good right now. It's interesting uh, in watching Winnipeg right now, not quite the same team that they've been in the past three or four years. At least they don't look like it so far in 2023. And I was watching that game last night uh, in Toronto with the Lions. Uh, The Lions probably were the better team, but Vernon Adams just destroyed any chances that they had because as bad as that was, six picks and you're not even being blown out. But I thought Toronto's offensive and defensive lines, BC's offensive and defensive lines are as good as Winnipeg's offensive and defensive line. So up front, uh, those two teams, and it was shown in the Grey Cup, 
can match Winnipeg, where I, I don't think we could say that before, yeah. uh, that there's another team that could match them in terms of in the trenches. So if Winnipeg's t- coming down a, a little bit, a bit, a little bit of a notch perhaps, then you've obviously got a closer west. Um, We'll see what happens with the Elks yet, uh, whether they can get anything going. But uh, right now, uh, the game in Winnipeg with the Stampeders arriving in town this week is is also going to be very interesting to see what happens. So I think Winnipeg not quite as good. BC Saskatchewan looking better. Don't really know what's going to happen with Jake Mayer in Calgary or can the Elks come out of this funk. You'd have to think that Things are a little more interesting in the West, particularly after, you know, BC thumped Winnipeg right in Winnipeg. That that made the West more interesting. So, yes, I think the West is a little more interesting. All right, let's do this thing, Don Hewitt. It's Huey's Heroes and Zeros. I cannot wait any longer. Let's do our... Yeah. Let's do our uh, let's do our heroes first. Let's do our heroes first. Heroes? Yeah. Okay, one after the other? Okay. Yes, yeah, sir. Well, what's your uh, number hero. one hero? Well, it's got to be Robertson Daniel with three picks last night. Yeah. He also tipped another ball right to his teammates, uh, right to his teammate Jonathan Jones's hands. And for a fourth pick, he was in on four picks. And of course, he took, I think, his last pick to the house in the 45 24 mm-hmm. win. And Robertson Daniel was just a crazy game for a defensive back. And you can't ignore that he would be one of the heroes. Yeah. The other hero. What's up? Go ahead, Singer. No, I was just going to say it's not every day that uh, a defensive back has three picks, one to the house, albeit, you know, the majority of them thrown right at his chest. But, hey, you can't – that's not his fault. He still made the play, and he still uh, took one to the house. So who's your second hero? My second hero is Rough Rider guard Evan Johnson, and I'll tell you why. Hmm. Evan Johnson – you know, hasn't had the greatest last couple of years, I didn't think. I also thought that uh, in the guard spot where he played, he wasn't getting a lot of help from the tackle in the center on either side of him either. Uh, but, you know, he had to restructure his contract over the winter. He wasn't thought of as being a starter uh, coming out of training camp with Saskatchewan. Philip Blake was, was uh, supposed to take his guard spot. He would be the backup offensive lineman. Uh, so, you know, everybody's sort of been eh, politely pooping on him in the media, I'd say, in terms of a player that that can start again or should start again, et cetera, et cetera. And because of injury, of course, Philip Blake carrying his pectoral muscle in the, the Rough Rider exhibition game in Winnipeg. Uh, Evan Johnson has played every game at guard. And, you know, it's been... I, it's it's been tough for him. I mean, you used to see him on the sidelines laughing and kidding around and enjoying himself. Now you see him on the sidelines. He, he looks very serious, uh, very determined, not joking around, uh, you know, maybe a wake-up call for him. But he's he's definitely the most underappreciated starter on the Rough Riders right now. A, a, a young man from Regina went to Campbell Collegiate, played for the U of S Huskies, and I think I'm going to throw a hero role his way uh, this afternoon because uh, you know he gutted it out in that Calgary game, and he was he he along with Bandy, oh I think Logan Bandy starting at center now Thursday against Edmonton. 
uh, made some good blocks and helped Jamal Morrow run for 133 yards. So I'm going with Evan Johnson yeah. as a hero. Evan Johnson, he will have to be a hero going forward because uh, the offensive line as it sits right now, uh, well, we all know Gerald Hawkins, he's out with a knee. Colin Kelly, his status is still up in the air for Thursday. So the guys that the Riders do have, they have to you know, stay healthy and they have to play well to anchor that offensive line. Don Hewitt, the professor with Huey's Heroes and Zeros on the Western Pizza Hotline right now. So those are your heroes from the past week in the Canadian Football League. Don, who are your zeros? We already know one of them, I believe. Right. We'll talk about him really quick. Uh, of course, Vernon Adams, not to repeat it, all six picks. Horrible throws. That was it. It wasn't just the six picks. And you mentioned it uh, just a few minutes ago, Zinger. It was it was some of the throws mm-hmm. uh, were just like, "What are you doing?" It's almost like he had a panic attack on the field, <laughs> and you know maybe he did. Honestly, uh, I shouldn't what laugh. Was going no. on out there, yeah, and you laughing. felt well, you felt sorry for him. I mean, he was almost in tears on the bench. Uh, Vernon Adams, I know he's a, a buddy of Daryl Rummel's at CTV for yeah. China. Vernon Adams is a, is a great young man. He's a classy kid. He tries so hard. He works so hard. You know, you can't help but hope that he does okay unless he's playing Saskatchewan. But, you know, to see him fall apart like that was not fun. But, you know what? Uh, he has to take a zero because, uh, you know, it was a horrible performance. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, BC's going with Vernon Adams and they committed to him over the off season at the same time. Montreal goes with Cody Fajardo, and they're committed to him. They both remind me of each other. They they remind me of each other somehow. Uh, both panic in the pocket. Uh, neither one wants to take a hit, and they can't get through any progressions uh, on in both their cases. And yet, two CFL teams are putting you know a yeah. full faith behind them. Hey, is that the real Vernon happened. Adams? Is that the real Vernon Adams, or is or is uh, that just a bad game? Like he reminded me of uh, like Neilon Green. He reminded me of like uh, right. You know, is that the type of quarterback he is, or is he actually the type of quarterback we see in the first couple of weeks? It's just too hot and cold for me. Well, it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation with Vernon Adams. I mean, you take a look at the way Vernon Adams played in Winnipeg. There is no way that you would think that was the same quarterback that played last night in Toronto. I mean, Vernon Adams is as hot and cold as you can find in a quarterback, really. And, uh, you know, I think for the BC Lions, uh, what I think is their issue, can Vernon Adams win a playoff game? Because BC is probably better than Toronto outside of what Vernon Adams did last night. Mm. They probably are a better football team. But... You know, Vernon Adams just destroyed any possible chance of any team winning that game. So what I'd say is he's not as bad as that. He's not as good as he was in Winnipeg either. He's in the middle. But can you trust him? That's the thing. Can you really trust him uh, in a big football game? And that's why Saskatchewan's got a shot if they make the playoffs because of their quarterbacking. Trevor Harris stays healthy. Uh, Look out. He can do some things because... Jake Mayer's not looking all that hot in Calgary either. All right, so give me your last zero of the week in the Canadian Football it's League. The topic, topic you guys were talking about earlier in your show, the zero, the number one zero is the rider injury list. 18 guys on the list today. You were talking about it. I think Colin Kelly did practice today. 
so he should be playing. But you got Micah Johnson, as you guys talked about earlier. I believe it's a hip. Did not practice. I mean, so what's going on? The Montreal Canadiens, um, they were riddled with injuries three years in a row, too. They did a deep, a big, a deep dive into it. They ended up, you know, firing most of the, a lot of the staff uh, with their, you know, physiotherapy, uh, head athletic trainer, and, and and got some experience that were proven in the NHL for this upcoming hockey season. Well, Saskatchewan's uh, also done made some moves because they brought in Greg Mayer as their head athletic therapist over over the off season. Uh, Greg's very accomplished, very good, very strong. Uh, they've got three assistant athletic therapists. I know they have to farm out some physios sometimes. It's not like the NFL where you got ten guys in each area in house and they have to farm out some massage, etc., like that. But I, I don't know if they have to do a, yet another deep dive as to what's going on. Are they stretching enough? I mean, a lot of this is just bad luck. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Gerald Hawkins got rolled up on. You can't do anything about that. Somebody landed on Wenneke when he was lying on the ground. I mean, things like that happen. It's not all the team's fault. But, you know, they, they must continue to sort of look at what's going on because they're leading the CFL in injuries again this year. Last year, they're second to Toronto. The year before, they led the league in injuries. I mean, they're way ahead in injuries of any team in the CFL right now. Way ahead. So, I mean, that's the zero. Like, what is going on? You just, you scratch your head, you're puzzled. Abdul, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you read one of his books, he said that one of the things that saved his career or allowed him to play as long as he did in the NBA was yoga. Hmm. And yoga, if you've ever done it, uh, I don't know if you've done it. I have not. Well, it's it's basically stretching Mm -hmm. is what it is. It's stretching all the muscles and tendons and the cartilage and everything else that you can stretch. And, you know, do they have to look into something like, should we be doing, sending people to yoga? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said that he believes that yoga uh, gave him eight more years of playing in the NBA. He, he, he said about eight, he feels. He would have been done without it. I, I don't know how much they're stretching what they're doing, whether anything's changed. But they, they really have to look at it. They, they have been proactive, as I said, in bringing in Greg Mayer. Uh, but it's still continuing, yeah. and it can in all these years in a row. Now that they're being tacked on with all these injuries, can it all be just bad luck? It just seems hard to yeah. believe that, you know, the way they've been going, you know, in the last number of years, that it's only bad luck. But it's a head scratcher. I mean, it costs the team so much money. It can cost them wins on the football field. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't. I'm not suggesting there's any negligence on anybody's part in well, regards to it this. Is a, it is a head-scratcher. I mean, especially coming off a bye week when you have, you know, you're supposed to be rested up, and then here we are looking at the injury report. Nothing seems to change, but uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, the Riders can uh, pull together and get this win against the Edmonton Elks on Thursday night. Don Hewitt, the professor, we will hear from you on Countdown to Kickoff on Thursday, starting at uh, 4 o'clock with Daniela Ponticelli. Thanks for joining us today for this installment of Huey's Heroes and Zeros. 
Thanks, Singer. It was a lot of fun talking to you. That's the Professor Don Hewitt on the Western Pizza Hotline heading to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. And it is for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Kicking off hour two here on this uh, overcast-ish type of day here in Regina, Saskatchewan, plus 17 right now in the Queen City. And uh, hey, happy 4th of July, by the way, to all of our American listeners. Don't think I mentioned that in hour one. And if I didn't, I apologize. Hopefully I did not upset Terry from Montana. I know he's a regular uh, listener to the sports cage. So happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to all of our uh, friends down south. We are heading to eastern Canada now on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, uh, well, I'm going to ask him, I guess, are you in Toronto or are you at home today, Arash? I am in Toronto where the smoke has dissipated. Mm-hmm. So we're all set here, Zinger. So how many hot dogs do you think Arash Madani can eat after... Uh, oh, man, not as many as Joey Chestnut, bud. No, 62 hot dogs he downed today, uh, down into his old hatch. He slurped up 62 hot dogs. And uh, yesterday I had three hot dogs. That's pretty good for a skinny man like me. What do you think, Blaine? That's pretty good, I right? was about yeah. to ask you how many uh, slices of cheese bread, because I've seen you in... Arizona on a patio knocked down a lot of that cheese bread when it's put in front of you. Zinger. That's true. I'm a very picky eater, Arash. So sometimes I gotta I gotta order the very simple type of foods so I don't make a fool of myself. So I'm not uh, you know stuck with a bunch of food in front of me with uh, without getting you know by. Hey, speaking of making fool of yourself, uh, there was kind of a foolish performance last night in the Canadian Football League. Now, I want I don't want to be too hard on the guy because way talented as I ever will be, but hey, I am a fan of the game and I'm going to call it like I see it. You know, this game mm-hmm. was supposed to be a battle of two heavyweights. It ended up being like Mike Tyson versus myself. That's like what it was. Uh, BC completely no-showed last night. So, what was the stat, Arash? 34 Argonaut points coming off Lions turnovers. What a game that yeah. was. Uh, 34 points off turnovers. Six Vernon Adams picks. And I, and I just found it so humorous uh, last night, Zinger, uh, watching the apologists try and defend Vernon Adams and say, he's a lot more mature now. A lot more mature because he spoke with the media after the game because that's your obligation oh, yeah. that's as true. a franchise quarterback. <laughs> and then Vernon Adams to say, well, we were within 11 before the last one, which was a pick six. Like that was, look, there aren't, July, let's be a little measured here. July football, no one's winning a championship here. But there are statement games along the way that matter. There are barometer games. You want to see where you are. And when you're the new starting quarterback of a franchise, the way Vernon Adams is, you got to show up. And some of the decisions, the throwing into double and triple coverage, what are you doing? <laughs> um, this was 
this was a bit of an opportunity for Vernon Adams to show what he's about. And man, that was that was poor. That was poor all over. I mean, he like single-handedly lost the Lions that game based on those throws he was making. Like, why wasn't uh, six turnovers? I yeah, I asked Don Hewitt this in hour one. Six like, picks. I shouldn't say turnovers. Six picks. Yeah, six picks. I asked Don Hewitt this in hour one, but uh, would you have put Dane Evans in the game? It kind of seemed like you know Dane or uh, Vernon Adams was just left for the Wolves there. Like, my goodness. <laughs> No, I mean, look, I thought I thought Toronto's defensive line absolutely owned the point of attack. And, they, you know, coming into this game, I really was looking forward to the best two coordinators in football from an offensive and defensive, not special teams, showing off their stuff. BC's offensive coordinator against Toronto's defensive coordinator. And what was Corey Mace going to have in store for Vernon Adams. Man, they disguised. They blitzed. They confused. I mean, Adams was just, he looked out of his depth. Mm. And game ball last night, to me, goes to Corey Mace. As, as efficient and fine as Chad Kelly was, that performance last night, hey man, that's Corey Mace. Corey Mace's defense was responsible for the Argos winning the Grey Cup and the Grey Cup game. And uh, tell you what, last night was another one of those deals. If yeah, f- funny what happens when you know you're as bad as Vernon Adams is, that that gets all the attention here. But you know, a very tidy effort from Chad Kelly last night. Uncle Jim watching in the stands too. That was cool yes. to see. And you know, you talk to people around the Argos. This is what they'll tell you: they were most pleased that Chad Kelly was throwing on time. And that he especially attacked BC in man coverage. Like, look, Zinger, Kelly's what, four games into being a starting quarterback at the professional level? Like, there's a lot more to go still for him. But identifying man coverage, having the confidence, making the throws, doing those things is a big step forward for a dude who's just learning all it takes. And yeah, Jim was there and Jim liked what he saw because of that, because they were aggressive and because he really didn't take a step back against that BC secondary. I I think what the Lions realized, and I think now that it's on tape, I'm not sure how much you can play man coverage against the Argos. You know, Curly Gittens wasn't 100% going into the game. Um, That's an Argo offense that you're going to have to find different ways to go up against them because man coverage isn't going to isn't going to cut it. Coast to coast with Rash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions here on the Western Pizza Hotline and Ryan Dinwiddie. He said the Argos, you know, they didn't pay much attention to what BC had to say about you know being undefeated, this and that coming into the game. But you don't buy that, do you? BS. B.S. Zinger. <laughs> I had some spies down there on the sidelines tell me that Mr. Dinwiddie was quite fired up during the game and had a lot to say in the trash talk department with some of those B.C. players. Look, they, people say they don't read the clippings. They don't, they don't follow what other people are saying. They're full of it. <laughs> the Argos heard loud and clear what was coming out of Vancouver throughout the week. And that... You know, they, and they're going into a bye week. It's really easy to kind of just, 
move on. No, no. Um, that was, um, I don't, I don't want to say it was personal, but that was something that was definitely talked about and throughout the game was definitely heard from both sides. Put it that way. Hey, it's, it's weird because like the Argonauts, they're the, the last unbeaten team in the league, but for some reason it just doesn't seem like this team gets to love, you know, people still think Calgary is a good team. People, you know, are on Winnipeg's bandwagon still. How come the Toronto Argonauts don't get the love? Is it as simple as they are playing in the East division and that's it? Maybe, maybe. And you know, they're going through quarterbacks the way you go through socks. Right, yeah, that's like how many people who, unless you really follow the CFL, how many Argos players can you really name? Mm. You know, I, I, and I mean this sincerely. Like, I, and I realize that we're on Regina Radio, but I Zinger just walked down the streets of the city I live in now in Toronto. I I would dare say if you pulled a hundred sports fans. Walked into a sports bar and said, who's the starting quarterback of the Argos? I would say that the majority of the responses would be Ricky Ray. Yeah. Um, they just they, they don't have the name recognition. They don't have the cachet yet. But they're a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. Really good defense. Getting rid of Chris Edwards was one of the smartest things they did. I, I don't know about using her. I really like that two-handed rush, two-headed two headed rushing attack. With uh, with Willette and Harris, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they play off each other so well, and they bring a different you know. Andrew Harris is still still has he's still a little dynamic. There's still a little bit there left in him. Um, I, I like the way they're able to run the football, and I'm not saying that's setting up the pass. I'm saying that can wear down a defensive line, which is exactly what happened in the fourth quarter. On a hot night in Toronto last night, um, they beat him up. The Argos beat him up yesterday, and and BC didn't know how to handle it. And we have about a minute left here, Arash. It's wild to think that the fourth game of the season in is happening here in the opening week of July. Uh, constitutes a must win, but you're saying Thursday at home for the Riders totally is a west uh, a must win for this ball club. You feel that way? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not just because Toronto's on the horizon in Nova Scotia, not just because BC after that, but that's a that's an Edmonton football team that actually has decent talent and coaching is their issue. But that's an Edmonton football team. You made the boxing analogy earlier in the segment, Singer. Mm-hmm. They're wobbly right now. They're just they're just looking for somebody to you know, whack him in the jaw. And the Riders' first quarter on Thursday night, to me, is huge to really go for that knockout punch and, and get that win. Because, let's let's face it, it's still a Rider franchise that needs to sell tickets and move the needle and all those kinds of things. Three and one's a lot different going into the teeth of the summer than two and two. Hey, this has been a, f- a fun Arash. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, Zinger. That's Arash Madani, Coast to Coast. On the Western Pizza Hotline for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. We're going to head to break on the other side. Keith Hirschmiller, the Regina Pats photographer, will be joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 
house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Hey, a big congratulations to Darren Sebastian of Kendall, Saskatchewan. Today is Sastel Pick the Score winner. Darren's predicting a big 34-19 victory for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Thursday night versus the visiting Edmonton Elks. So enjoy the game, Darren. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. And thank you for playing Sastel Pick the Score. It's 422 and excited to talk with this guy on the Western Pizza Hotline. Keith Hirschmiller has photographed Connor Bedard's WHL career from... You know, his 15-year-old season, the bubble season, all the way through to the first overall pick in the National Hockey League draft. And uh, just last week, it was a nice article was released by the Hockey News highlighting Keith's work. Hey, thanks for the time today, Keith. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing quite uh, quite good, my friend. Excited to uh, get this Ryder game going on Thursday. And uh, it was an exciting week last week with Connor Bedard being drafted. I believe that was last week. All, everything's just blending together. So, uh, Keith, you've been with the Pats for, what, uh, close to 15 years now, right? Uh, often on 14, more yeah. or less 10 is uh, is is what I go by. So. Right. Uh, let's yeah. go. Let's go back to the bubble season uh, for a few seconds here. A few sure. years ago, uh, Bedard's first season with the Pats. What was that season like for yourself with uh, no fans in the building? I know it's going back a couple years here, but uh, let's take it. Take us through it. It. You know what? It, it kind of feels like yesterday. Um, mm. It was. It was a lot of hockey. It was. Uh, it was like 84 games in 49 days, and I didn't miss a game. Um, but see, we always knew that we had something special in Bedard when we signed him. But until you actually saw him out on the ice, it was um, it was pretty remarkable to watch him perform out on on the ice at that level for such a young guy. And the sad part of it was was that there was nobody there to watch it and really enjoy his rookie season. So. It it was kind of uh, it was kind of weird shooting in a rink that it felt like uh, a beer league, you know, where you had no fans in the stands. But uh, I had my my run of the rink so I can go anywhere I wanted and, and shoot different levels. But um, yeah, it was it was really incredible to watch him play. Then how different was that for yourself? Like you just mentioned, you, you were kind of free to roam wherever you wanted because, well, there's nobody in the arena. Did you enjoy that aspect of it, or was it kind of like, eh, we'd rather have the fans here? It, it, it was different. I mean, I, I would prefer to have the fans because, obviously, the, the players kind of feed off of the fans' energy. And in a way, I kind of feed off of the fans as well as to, you know, trying to get the, the, the shots that I need as well because the the players are performing to an extra, I guess, boost of energy because of the fans. So then they're playing better. So then I get better shots. So yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of different. But um, yeah, it was, the, the bubble season was was quite different to say the least. And hopefully we never have to go through anything like that again. But at the same time, it was um, pretty cool to be one of the select few to be able to witness everything that we had seen in the in the bubble that season. Yeah, when you think of Connor Bedard's career with the Pats, uh, what's the one moment through your lens that you will remember the most? What's the one thing that comes to mind right away? Uh, his final game uh, against Brandon before he he went to uh, the States for the World Juniors. Uh, it was April 9th against Brandon, and when he, um, he had lost his grandfather a few days prior in a motor uh, vehicle accident, and when he got that first goal, he pointed to the sky. And that will forever be my favorite moment 
uh, of his career. I mean, he's got tons of accomplishments and and all that, but that's the one that will really always kind of hit home close to me. Um, it just that paying that tribute to his grandfather was uh, was was pretty much my lasting memory of him forever. And then scoring the overtime goal uh, to win it before he left, it was just the icing on the cake. What's that moment like for yourself when you know you just nailed a, a shot, when you nailed a picture? You know, the big moment happens and you you know that you just captured it. Uh, that must feel pretty good. <laughs> um, it's kind of a bittersweet. That that moment especially was a little bit bittersweet. And it's one I, I don't like talking about, but I do like talking about is that um, when he scored that goal and he, and he paid homage to his grandfather, I lost my father a few months prior to that. So it was um, it was very honoring to see him do that, and I was crying the whole time while he shot, and he was pointing to the sky. I was crying through my lens, and it was it was a pretty hard one to to watch and shoot. But I knew I had something special when I saw it, and went back in between periods and looked at it, and I, I knew I had something really great. Oh, that's a great story, Keith Hirschmiller, the photographer for your Regina Pats here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So you've been up close to a lot of players over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might be a silly question, but was Bedard the best player you've seen? I mean, not a lot of people have the opportunity to be that close to the action. We're talking like legitimately ice level. So if Bedard is number one, I guess I'll let you answer it, but if Bedard is number one, maybe give our listeners, like, I don't know, your top five players that have really wowed you over the years. Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, that that's funny. I, I got really close to Adam Brooks, so I, I'd have to put him number two. Hmm. Uh, Sam Steele is definitely up there. Uh, Chandler Stevenson he was kind of at the beginning of my time with the Pat, so I didn't really get to know him uh, as much as I wanted to, but uh, I definitely had fun shooting him. Um, and Jordan Everly's in that in that uh, top five as well because he was at the start of my career with um, being a photographer and shooting with the Pat. So that's kind of how I, I judge them is that, um, yeah, yeah, I think it would be Connor, Adam, Sam, Chandler, Jordan. Yeah. Take uh, quickly. Take us through the art of you know photography when it comes to hockey. What's the game plan going into the game? I'm sure it's not just hey, I'm just gonna you know stand here and click my finger as fast as I can and get as many pictures. You know, like is there certain moments or certain cues you wait for during a game before you actually take the picture? What's going <laughs> through your mind throughout the game? Take uh, us inside the mind of Keith Hirschmiller. Sometimes it's it's a it's a phrase I like to to say is spray and pray, um, mm. but um, no, it's 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 a hard one. Really, you're you're following the action, and, and you got to keep your head up when you're in the the suicide box. And I know I look like the the fool wearing the helmet, but I've been I've been hit a few times with a puck in that suicide box. But it's it's like you follow the play, and you look for something special. And if there's something special, then you do something to bookmark that shot and you go back and revisit it. It's like, okay, that was really good. Um, it is hard in the suicide box because you got the line changes, you have the referees in, in your line of sight. So you don't always get that clear shot. But my, my all, honestly, my favorite point of view is up in the rafters when I get to shoot down mm. onto the ice. It's terrifying up there, but it's probably one of my favorite 
place to be because there's nothing impeding my vision for goals and big hits and fights and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, those catwalks. Aren't you scared? Yeah. You're not scared of heights at all. That that would be terrifying for a lot of people. I, I've always wanted to go up there though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified of heights, but you know when you, you stop feeling about how high you are up and you're just so consumed in the play yeah. and the action that you just, you don't, you don't think about it. Yeah. So, but it's, it's probably one of my favorites when that, that puck is about to trickle onto the, into the net and it's right on the line. Like you can't beat that view yeah. from above and it's happened a few times and um, yeah, it's, it's a special place to be up there and, and I'm glad we actually have it because there's a lot of rinks that don't. So that's true. Hey, this has been fun, my friend Keith Hirschmiller, the photographer for the Regina Pats. Uh, he, you know, he followed Connor Bedard's career from the first day to the last with uh, the Regina Pats here, and uh, it was great to hear some of your stories today here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks for your time today, Keith. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it myself. Awesome. That's uh, Keith Hirschmiller on the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, we will talk some more hockey on the other side, heading to break. And then the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre, will hop on and chat with us. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. I'm Hamble, general manager, and I'm excited to invite you to our friends and family event. Save $7,500 on our brand new E53 AMG sedan. Plus, check out our all new EQ lineup. Come check out our Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned inventory and explore a wide range of over 500 pre-owned vehicles. Drive it home today. The friends and family event is on now. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, back inside the Sports Cage here for Saskatchewan Lotteries. It's 437. And uh, excited to talk with this guy on the Western Pizza Hotline, the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre, joins us. Kyle, how you doing today? I am doing just great, Zinger. How are you? Doing quite well. So uh, the SJHL coming off a, you know, a strong season for many of its clubs, but uh, you know, looks like changes are coming following the league's annual general meeting in mid June, just a few short days ago. So, uh, what can you tell us about the happenings in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League? What changes might we see here in the 2023-24 season? Well, Sean, as you mentioned, we're coming off a highly successful year. I think that uh, we really had great numbers in attendance. Uh, we're averaging about 664 fans a game. Through playoffs, we had about 1,164 fans per game. So we had about 260,000 people watching SJHL game live this year, which was absolutely outstanding. And, of course, what do we want to do? We want to improve our league. We want to make it stronger. We want to have more fans, more bums and seats. So coming out of our AGM, uh, there was a commitment to uh, – putting more Saskatchewan back in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Uh, one of the things that we've brought in with that is that uh, our waiver wire uh, really has been designed trying to keep Saskatchewan kids, but, but really any kid that is uh, traded to another league for a PDF, we're going to bring back our internal waiver wire to give all teams in our league an opportunity to, uh, to have that player, to pick that player up before we export that player out of our league and really it was designed to keep more Saskatchewan kids in the league. Just the number one, the, another one of the strategies that we're going to implement to to try to do that. 
the other thing that we brought in this year is we brought in what's called an elements of an effective franchise. And so it's really designed to improve all the teams in our league. Uh, we have a number of teams that are operating in a premier manner, but we have some that need a little bit of help. And so the elements of an effective franchise is going to improve uh, both the hockey operations and the player experience and the business operations. And again, it's designed to make our league stronger and more player-centered. And expanding on that part, so does that kind of mean like other teams, you know, giving money to other clubs to help with operations? Is is that what you you mean with that? No, no, that's not. It's not really a revenue sharing. So we're not going to get CFL there, Zinger. Mm. But but what what it is, it really identifies what are the crucial or the key areas in hockey operations, in player development, and in business operations for some of the teams to focus on, and so. Right. Again, our league, a lot of our, our teams, their boards are they're constructed of volunteers, and, and some volunteers and some boards have a very strong uh, policy governance operation. Uh, some have very strong business acumen, but some are just folks that love hockey and, mm-hmm. and really don't know what they don't know. And so, again, this rubric is designed to, to identify all of those elements in a non-punitive way so teams know some of the crucial or the key areas that they need to focus on. Right. Hey, it was back in May this year, Kyle McIntyre, by the way, the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League on the Western Pizza Hotline. Back in May, the British Columbia Hockey League made a decision that, uh, well, at the time, turned some heads in the hockey world. I mean, they broke away from Hockey Canada with the league looking for uh, quote-unquote, more options for players. And I know the word was kind of, I wonder if other leagues are going to do this. But uh, you're here to say, Kyle McIntyre, that the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League will not be doing that. Hey, you know what? We are committed to the CGHL, and we're one of one of nine member leagues that are part of the CGHL. We're also committed to Hockey Canada. Hockey Canada had a great a big announcement today, and, and they're getting their house in order. And, and again, the CGHL is a structure that works for us. Um, our players and our teams have an opportunity to compete for the Centennial Cup. Our players have an opportunity to go to the uh, World Junior A Challenge. We have an opportunity to work with all the elite programming from Hockey Canada. And uh, kids can move freely within the sanctioned leagues within Hockey Canada. So, you know, is, is it absolutely perfect, Sean? No, there are some things that we're not very happy about. Uh, but we're going to be good teammates, and we're in for the long long term with the CJHL and with Hockey Canada. Hey, so the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey uh, League right now, 12 teams across the province, stretching into Manitoba with Flin Flon. Uh, could we expect maybe a new team or two in the near future? What's the talk on expansion right now for the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League? I know fans would love to hear you know, that. You are not the first person who's asked me that this week, week singer, actually. But uh, you know what? There's a number of communities in Saskatchewan that are, are hockey hotbeds that are looking at building new facilities and and sure, there's some interest in, in uh, for, from some of those communities in, in being part of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And, and the way that works is that we have an expansion committee that's comprised of myself and some governors and any community that is interested in joining the SJHL, there's certain criteria, and there's a certain process that they have to go through, and, and it goes through that committee format. But, uh, you know, there's some beautiful new arenas being built in Saskatchewan right now, and and a number of communities that are looking at it. And so it's always a possibility. And, uh, you know, what I would hear from teams or from governors is, hey, you know what, maybe our, our talent pool isn't, isn't deep enough. And I say, yes, it is. Saskatchewan produces the very best hockey players in the world. 
and I would love to have more Saskatchewan kids in our league. What are some towns, some cities that, uh, you know, are rumbling through the mind of Cal McIntyre if expansion did happen? What are like a, do you have like a top five? Oh, I don't know if I'd have a top five. Uh, you're kind of kind of put me over a barrel. No, nah. <laughs> that's what I do. But, it's uh, a sports cage. Welcome inside the cage, you are, Kyle. <laughs> you are, it is a cage. You're worse than ballsy. Yeah, you're, man. The ship has rubbed off on you. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, Meadow Lake is building a new rink. I know that uh, White City and Baldoni would like to get a new facility, and Martinsville is building a new facility, and and uh, maybe Kakawishtaha will be looking at something in the near future in in the Saskatoon area, so those are all possibilities for sure. Nice. Cal McIntyre, the commissioner of the SJHL here for a few more moments, and a lot was talked about through the 2022-23 season about the use of visors at the Junior A level. So what can you tell us about the future of visors in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League? I know the players love them. They want to feel like they're playing hockey, or junior hockey, I should say. uh, it, it's it's kind of a, you know, I see both sides of that issue, and, and that is not a decision that was made by uh, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League governor, so it was a Hockey Canada rule uh, that was brought in, and so we're going with a phased-in uh, process with the full face masks, uh, starting with our 2005s, 2006s, and 2007 players this year, and last year, Zinger, we surveyed our players that were playing in the league, and we asked them about uh, whether they wanted to, uh, whether they wanted to continue with visors, if they were required to sign a waiver and to buy some additional insurance, and 91% of our players wanted to stick with the visors, and and really there's two sides of this. So there's the side that of the players, and of course you play all your minor hockey and you look forward to playing junior hockey, and then uh, wearing a half visor is kind of like a, a goal at the end of your your hockey, your minor hockey career, where you play junior and you're you're more like a big guy, you're more like a pro because you're not wearing that full face mask. But the flip side is is from a parent perspective. So if a child incurs a, a dental injury uh, that's substantial, whether it's a puck or a stick, like sometimes you're looking at over $20,000 to remediate that damage. And although the SJHL and Hockey Can and Hockey Fast uh, has some insurance to cover some of that risk, uh, it's not enough to cover the full procedure. So so again, if I put on my parent hat, sometimes you're a little bit cautious and you worry about the health and safety of kids. But if I put on my, my commissioner player advocate hat, I can I can sympathize with those kids because I know when I started to play junior, I look forward to not wearing a full face mask as well. Yeah, so starting next year, would it be all players born after, what is it, December 31st, 2004, they will have to wear full facial protection when playing? grandfathering this rule in? Yep. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. And so we'll have the 2003s and 2004s that that played this year that won't have to. And, of course, then you're worried about, you know, what about the kids that are wearing masks? Are are the high sticks going to increase? Head contact going to increase? Concussions? And so that's something we're going to be monitoring very closely. And and hopefully uh, my partners in Hockey Canada and Hockey Saskatchewan are also looking at that. And we'll use data to make informed decisions about whether the experiment works or not. Yeah, and, and lastly, uh, you talked about it off the top there, about the attendance. Let's wrap it up on this note. Uh, attendance up in the league. And uh, how exciting is that, though? I mean, uh, you look at these towns like Melville, Saskatchewan, like the Melville Millionaires 
are that community's National Hockey League team. I just feel like that's so cool. And you could say the same thing with all these teams across the province. Uh, can we expect attendance to even grow even more so here this season? And what are some things that uh, you guys are really looking at to maybe enhance the game day experience and maybe get more people in the seats, like you were mentioning off the top there? Maybe expand on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm- that would be my goal for sure, because like you have identified, Zinger, like these towns are the absolute backbone, they're the, the lifeline for all these communities. Every kid grows up wanting to be a Melville Millionaire or a Yorkton Terrier or a LaRange Ice School for, a, you know, mm-hmm. any one of those teams, a Kimberley Clipper. And, and so really uh, the key piece, I believe, uh, outside of the in-game experience, because in-game experience is very important, but, but it, it's having the local content. So it's having kids, regional kids on your team, that's going to put more bums in seats. That's, that's going to bring more more kids from your community. It's doing outreach in the communities, whether it's school or whether it's shindy or whether it's uh, going to different events or shoveling senior sidewalks. So community outreach, having local content, and of course having a great in-game experience. And from a league perspective, uh, we, we encourage our, our marketing directors to each team about innovative, fun things they can introduce into the game, and we help them with some of their game nights and some of their promotions. And then on our end, we're looking at improving our hockey TV viewer uh, viewer experience, which we worked on last year. And, of course, looking at ramping up all our social channels, which I think if uh, anyone who's a fan of the league would have seen that we've really done a better job of, of celebrating the excellence amongst the franchise and our players in the league. So all those things kind of work together. And, of course, we do have a, a marketing group that gets together regularly, led by Jacob Faith and and certainly teams have to understand that they're not competing with one another for fans or for ideas, that you need to share those ideas and synergize because really you're competing, uh, competing within your community to put bums in seats. And so collectively, uh, we're not exactly where I want to be yet. Like I would love to see a thousand people at every game uh, throughout the regular season, but we do have some markets that draw uh, that or more every game, but we have some that don't. And so certainly we want to make sure that the teams that aren't drawing as well have some ideas and have some content and have a competitive team so that they're drawing as well as well. Because, again, as a league, we're only as strong as our weakest link, right? So we have to make everyone stronger. we got to make sure that everyone's competitive and everyone has a good team. And, and I know a number of teams uh, in the offseason, so Melville has hired a new coach, Doug Johnson, has a winning pedigree, has been coach of the year a number of years. That'll make Melville more competitive. And Kindersley uh, hired Clayton Jardine, and Clayton Jardine has put a lot of kids to the next level in U Sport and NCAA. And so that'll make the Clippers more competitive, which in turn leads to a more competitive league for us, which is awesome. Hey, more than 260,000 people attended a a game this past season in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So that's a, a great number there. Excited to see what the future holds. Commissioner of the Saskatchewan Hockey League, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, Kyle, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes today, and uh, can't wait for the season to start. I know we're in July here, but uh, getting the hockey fever. (laughs) Well, good for you. Thanks for your interest, and thanks for having me, Sean. Awesome. That's Kyle McIntyre on the Western Pizza Hotline. We are going to head to break and then be back with more. And remember to kick off the 5 o'clock hour, hour 3, we will hear from Derek Moncrief from after practice today from your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, back inside the Sports Cage, fourth 
53. I was going to say uh, 5 o'clock. We're in the 4 o'clock hour here, Blaine Wyland. I'm thinking about all these hot dogs Joey Chestnut ate today, and I'm thinking about barbecuing myself say, some tonight. I was going to say five, it's 5 o'clock in Manitoba. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or near or 5 o'clock hour in Manitoba. We don't like talking about Manitoba, though, around here. Those stinky Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, Gloria Evans is in here, and she... She thinks they're stinky. That's my words, by the way, not hers. Yeah, there we go. But uh, cannot wait for Thursday here at Mosaic Stadium, of course. It's not the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that are coming to town. It's uh, the Edmonton Elks rolling into town with Taylor Cornelius and co. But, uh, you know, we still have a couple more days to go until we reach game day. And I was looking at the weather. It's very windy today in the Queen City. I wasn't outside oh, yeah. much today. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right? So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not seeing or feeling things. It was, well, it's plus 17 right now and windy. And, uh, Brian Raymond from Flowing Springs joins us right now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Does the wind keep golfers away from the facility, Brian? Is wind kind of like rain or or no? Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, when wind, I mean, a lot of golfers would play in a light rain rather than play in any kind of wind because uh, you're almost always being affected by the wind one way or the other. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're playing into it or playing against it. It's always a factor, and you have to take it into account when you're selecting clubs especially. Yeah, have you kind of seen that today as the course, you know, people shine away from it because of this? Uh, believe it or not, this is not exactly a, a terrible, terribly strong wind. Mm. I think the big issue here is that it's very cool. Right. And uh, we've gotten used to those nice hot temperatures that we had all the way through uh, most of June and, and uh, certainly into the air, well, first week in July anyways. Yeah. Yeah, we're first weekend. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, more about uh, what Flooring Springs has to offer this week. But I want your take quickly on uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, do they win this game on Thursday against these pesky Elks looking for their first win? What's uh, Brian Raymond thinking? What's his vibes like? I don't think this is the place that the Elks wanted to come to uh, to win their first game. I think the Riders will be ready for them. They've had a week to uh, recover some of their injured players, and uh, I think the Riders are hungry. Mm. And and switching gears, you are a Montreal Canadiens fan, correct? That is correct. What did you think? I, I can't remember if we asked you this last week or not, but I'll ask you again if we did. What did you think of Carey Price and his mind going numb on stage during the NHL draft? That was kind of... You know, I kind of felt bad for the guy in the moment. Oh, I felt horrible for him. I I think that's one of those things where uh, it's a moment where he may... That you know, they may have told him just before they went out on stage that he was going to announce the, the player, and or, and maybe even worse, maybe they told him a long time before that, and he was rehearsing it over and over in his mind. Yeah, I know. And you know how you get tensed up doing that. And he, let's face it, he's not used to doing that, and yeah. uh, and, it, and it was a name that probably wouldn't be familiar with him because he's an Austrian. Yeah, I just felt bad because he was like looking behind him for like some guidance yeah. and some help. Yeah, help me, help me, yeah, please. Everybody's just standing there looking at him, like, come on now. I, I, can't you whisper the name to him or something? But, uh, yeah, I felt bad for him. But, uh, hey, Brian, so windy today, but uh, it is summer. I mean, this is golf season, you know, Absolutely. for Flowing Springs. So what does uh, Flowing Springs uh, have to offer here this week in the first well, week of July? we have some great offers here, Zinger. We've got uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. 
seniors and ladies play for $32. So tomorrow's Wednesday. we got a ton of folks coming out, and we've got lots of room still for more players. But if you're a lady or a senior over 60, you only pay $32. Now, if you're not a lady or a senior, we still have a good deal for you. It's only $42 to come and play instead of the usual $55. And, of course, every day of the week after 3 o'clock, it's $35 to play the course. And after 6, it's our famous walk-only, $19 after 6 o'clock. And you can, right now, you can probably get, uh, if you start off at 6 or shortly after, 18 holes is a possibility. Oh, I like the sounds of that last one there. If someone wants to, you know, book a tee time, book their time on the course, how do they do so, Brian? All they have to do is give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. That's also Brian. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow since the Ratter game's on Thursday. We'll have you on again tomorrow, same time. Looking forward to it, Singer. Awesome. That's Brian Raymond out at Flowing Springs with some details on that beautiful golf course here in the Queen City here in southern Saskatchewan. So, uh, yeah. Are you a golfer, by the way, Blaine, or do you, do you like to hit I'm a, the links? I'm a casual. Yeah. I don't want to call myself a pro. What, what's the best? Have you ever, like, kept track of your score, or is oh, it kind of like... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not I'm not as good as... Any hole-in-ones to report? No, I'm not like Come Harry Brotzel, like I heard last week. When he was, I heard that, like, he was a bit among 8 to 10. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was he, like, he hit a, he hit a whole, uh, hole-in-one. Before he hit one himself? Yeah, like, no, I haven't, I'm not the hole-in-one type. I like to drive it, though. Like, I like to consider myself that I can drive the mm. ball a little bit, but... Yeah. Uh, no, I like to go more than I should, that's for sure. Yeah, speaking of Gary Bratzel, his Regina Red Sox, they're going to be brave in the wind tonight. And, uh, you know, according to Brian Raymond there, maybe not all that bad, the wind. Yeah. Uh, it's just a little cool outside. Well, but it's it's going to be comfortable weather tonight for some baseball at Curry Field. The Medicine Hat Mavericks are in town to take on the Red Sox, the first of two. The Mavericks also in town tomorrow for a two-game series versus the Red Sox. So 7.05 p.m. opening pitch tonight from the friendly confines of Curry Field. All right. It's break time, 5 o'clock news up next. And then on the other side, we will hear from the Kreef, Derek Moncrief, after practice today uh, at at uh, Mosaic Stadium. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage. On 620 CKRM, filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Hour three, here we go. We are here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. It's 5.08 today and a little over 48 hours away. I guess exactly about 50 hours away until opening kickoff. I love doing that. I don't know why I like doing that so much. 50 hours away until the Elks and Rough Riders kick off at Mosaic Stadium. And the injury report is out ahead of uh, Thursday's game. And uh, let's go through it quickly here. Kalijah Lipscomb. I'm going from the bottom to the top. I'm doing it a little different compared to what I did earlier. Kalijah Lipscomb has an ankle wide receiver. Uh, he's questionable. Brett Lother has a leg questionable. Micah Johnson, he is on the injury report with a hip questionable. Uh, Colin Kelly, this is a big one. Right tackle for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He is uh, 
Uh, not quite sure right now. He is questionable with an illness. Fingers crossed that he can be in the lineup here on Thursday night. TJ Brunson, illness, doubtful. Trevor Harris, he's on the injury report because of uh, that back injury, but no designation, so that means he is ready to roll for Thursday. Same thing with Amari Henderson, non-related injury. He is on the report. Nothing to worry about there. What is something to worry about, though, is the status of uh, Peter Godber because as of today, he is out for Thursday's game uh, versus the Elks. So that means Mr. Bandy will be more than likely the starting center for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders Thursday night. Rodney Clemens, defensive back, is out with an ankle. Roland Milligan Jr., uh, once again, no injury designation. He should be good to go here for Thursday. Jake Winnicky is out with that knee injury, so Jake Winnicky out. We uh, chatted with head coach Craig Dickinson on the Craig Dickinson show yesterday, and uh, you know, kind of asked him about Winnicky's status, and he basically said that, yeah, we got to find out more, some, some more things about that injury. But now we know today that you know it's uh, rather serious one or more serious than maybe we thought it was at the start. Jake Winnicky not in the lineup on Thursday. Gerald Hawkins, this is uh, no surprise here as Coach Craig Dickinson also said yesterday that uh, Gerald Hawkins, he suffered quite the tear in uh, the quad, I believe he said, uh, in that game in Calgary a few weeks ago. So Gerald Hawkins on the shelf for the time being. Anthony Lanier the second with a foot, but no designation. He's ready to roll. Matt Dean foot is out for Thursday. And the big one, Jaden Dalkey back on the practice field. We heard from him in hour one. And one guy that is no longer on the injury report, and he made his uh, season debut in Calgary a few weeks ago at McMahon Stadium is the Creef, Derek Moncrief, number 42 for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we caught up with him after practice today. Um, yeah, what's your last What's your last three or four days been like? <laughs> it's been crazy. It's been awesome. Uh, baby girl was born um, July 1. Canada Day, man, it was a blessing just to see her come at like 1.45 whatever time it was, and yeah, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. Morning or afternoon? Afternoon. Afternoon. Afternoon, yeah. What is her name? How many pounds, ounces, all that? Minnie, uh, Yvonne, Florence, Moncrief. She's at, uh, actually named after my grandmother and Cassia's grandmother, too. So uh, she was seven pounds and ten ounces. So both both the grandmothers were named Minnie? No, no, no. What? Yvonne and Florence. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Middle name. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First name is Minnie. Yeah. How do I spell Minnie? M-I-N-N-I-E. Mini. Mini me. Yeah, mini me. <laughs> Literally. If you see a picture, she looks just like me. So. Well, what was life like at, uh, how did how did your life change at 145? What was that experience like? Man, it changed everything about me. You know, just seeing that uh, that life I'm responsible for and, and trying to lead to be a be a great uh, role model and the first man should ever love and see, lay eyes on. So it's very important for me to, uh, you know, set the standard each and every day. And how do you do that while well, uh, still trying to get two hours of sleep a night. Oh man, you know, just uh, you know, just grow through it, man. You know, it's uh, you know, life changes. Life changes every year of your life, whatever it is, man. And uh, I just take it in, try to take that challenge on, and you know, try to make myself a better father and a better football player each and every day. With the way you you've embraced Canada, how, yeah, it's additionally significant yeah. for your first child to be born in this country. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's uh, it's a special thing, man. You know, she got American blood and she got a little Canadian blood in her too. So uh, it's awesome. It's awesome.
man. If she, yeah. if she if she was a boy, they were we already be talking about draft twenty years, twenty two years. Oh, you already know you are or a future GM or something like that. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to a boy, hopefully. What uh, what's uh, what does it mean to you to uh, be in this country on July fourth in your homeland? Is, yeah. Is, do you, can you celebrate July fourth at all? Uh, I really don't celebrate July fourth, but you know it's it's a good time when people hang out at home and stuff like that. But uh, I really don't celebrate July fourth. Yeah. Well, your independence is gone now. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm here now. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much just packed into the last week. Yeah. I mean, you come, you you come off playing your first game. Yeah. And uh, and then you have a have yeah. a baby. What's yeah. What's this last few weeks been like? Man, it's been awesome, man. Just the, the process of everything, uh, being patient, being excited, uh, anxious, just all feelings all over. Um, getting in that first game, having played in eight months. And man, it's been awesome, man. Just the whole experience of life itself, man. I'm just, I'm very blessed, very blessed. Can you talk a little bit more about that first game being yeah. back in Calgary? Oh yeah, it was pretty good, man. Just to get around, uh, fly around. Uh, I felt great. Lungs were good. Uh, flying around just to see if I could, you know, get that uh, that mental thing out the way when I'm making that first tackle. So I was feeling good out there with the guys, man. Uh, glad we got the W. Was the tackling the big thing coming back from a shoulder injury? Yeah, you want to get it. You want to get that first one out the way, you know, just to you know, just to see, test it out a little bit. Uh, testament to uh, the trainers here, Coach Clint, uh, and the hard work during the offseason to re uh, to recover too. So, was the recovery kind of what you expected, being the long term thing? You know, since the surgery took place like way back in November. Oh yeah, no doubt, man. They uh, initially they told me seven to nine months recovery. Uh, you know, it's going to be a long process and. You know, I had to embrace it, man. It was a lot of long days, man. I was the only one here in the gym uh, working out by myself early, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, now we're here, and I'm ready to uh, capitalize on every moment. Let's just talk about a little bit about, about the play. C.J. Reeves has done filling in yeah. both you and as well for Dolky. Man, he's been great, man. Very tentative meetings, uh, very smart guy, uh, savvy, uh, just a f great football player, and uh, he just makes uh, great plays on the ball. And you talk about the challenges of facing a divisional opponent like Edmonton twice yeah. and very early in the season like you are, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. They're a hungry team right now. No matter what, what their record is, uh, they're a hungry, physical team. Uh, you know, they can, it can go down to the wire, but we got to come out and we got to play physical football from the, from the top to the bottom or for all four quarters, and we're going to be ready to play football come Friday night, Thursday night. Thursday night is, I guess, a throwback night uh, at the yeah. park. You're a member of the team for a few years now. What's oh, yeah. your biggest memory as a Rough Rider, Derek? Man, biggest memory. My first game, caught an interception, uh, 2017 BC. Almost took it to the house. Ran out of gas at like the 50-yard line. So, And then also Labor Day, man. My first Labor Day in 2019. Had a rock star game. I'm looking forward to this Thursday night, though, because it's been nine months since I played in this stadium. So I'm ready. How do you like wearing those throwback jerseys? Oh, love it. It's my favorite. My favorite. Hopefully, we get another one soon. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, we get some. Yeah, hopefully, we get some more. So, uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I'm sure you did your research, but is, is, is there anything about fatherhood that has hit you that you just weren't quite expecting? Ooh. Oh, man. I don't know. It's everything. Yeah. The, the diapers, the, the crying. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's different. It's different. Just got to take it all in and, man, and try to make the most of it. After the diapers, is it you that ends up crying or the baby? <laughs> me. Me. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's uh, what uh like how does it like the day to day yeah. change? Day to day man, just uh I wake up early anyways. It's just being more just taking that time with her. You know what I mean? Because she's gonna remember. She remember my voice. She sees me each and every day. So just just spending that valuable time uh, in the morning and in the afternoons when I get home. 
what do you think about when you look at her? Like, wow, that's my creation, you know what I mean? Uh, me and mom did our thing and we created you. She's a very beautiful thing and uh, man, I just can't wait to see her each and every day when I get home. That's beautiful. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That's Derek Moncrief, Mr. Daddy. Derek Moncrief, brand new father. So a big congratulations to uh, Derek Moncrief and uh, cannot wait. Like he said there uh, during that chat, he hasn't played at Mosaic Stadium in quite some time. So that's going to be really exciting to see Derek Moncrief. And it seems like he always has his biggest games when he's wearing that retro uni. When you see a highlight package, it's always of Creef wearing the retro jersey. So it's going to be fun to see him in action. Hey, you can always text us up, as always. uh, 306-936-6262 is the number. Uh, Clayton and Wishart. Is wondering out of all the hurt offensive linemen, who should be back first from injury? For well, off the top of my head, I, I would say it's Colin Kelly because yeah. uh, he is still questionable. He might actually be playing on Thursday. Yeah, it was in a, it was like a flu bug. Like a, I don't I want to use the flu bug mm-hmm. thing a little lightly as compared to like last year's experience yeah. with the flu bug. There was a couple of guys that were experienced. It looks like T.J. Brunson. He's going to he's doubtful while Jorgen Hoos is. Uh, going to play so I'm uh, not too sure but yeah Colin Kelly would be probably the first one that would likely be drawing back into the lineup and then Bill and Carlisle looking at the injury report is there any report on Kean Schaefer Baker expected return well as it sits right now I don't think we we really know I think the target all along was maybe Labor Day yeah I think that that's was kind of the target from the get-go. I think they said like way back when the surgery happened in the offseason was six to nine games that they're expecting, and it's kind of leaning towards Labor Day. So, yeah, I would expect around Labor Day, kind of that's when we can expect uh, Schaefer Baker to be back out there. Yeah, so a couple months from now, Pat in Saskatoon. Hey, Zinger, it's Pat here with a nice Argos win for you last night on your ticket. Big winner. John the Habs fan owes you a drink. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right too. John the Habs fan. I think he. Uh, I think he picked uh, BC to shellack the Argos last night, and then Ballsy came on the air and was like, "Hey, well, if the Argos win, you know, what are you gonna do?" <laughs> and I think uh, John the Habs fan owes me uh, owes me a Coca Cola or something. So uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Pat. Pat, what's the bigger news story uh, today? The you, you winning on your sports uh, sports line or? Uh, Joey Chestnut. Yeah, well, it has to be me. I mean, <laughs> it's not. It's not every day someone wins forty three dollars on a. You ticket. can buy sixty three hot dogs with forty bucks. Yeah, I can't believe. I can't <laughs> believe that that dude. Uh, don't even get me started. I, I just can't get over the look on his face after he shoveled that last dog in his mouth. He looked like he was going to curl over <laughs> like a turtle and just have a nap on the spot on the stage. And how about him firing up the troops beforehand? <laughs> you know the. The big news of the day was this event got canceled, but apparently this wing nut went backstage and gathered up all the hot dog eaters and basically started cursing and was like, hey, we're not going home without slugging these dogs. Get on the stage. This actually happened. Oh, I'm yeah. Not even kidding. Ra- like, it's rallied, all over Twitter. He rallied the troops. What I like, I laughed was before the contest started and they showed kind of the instructions and the one was automatic disqualifications was reversal of fortune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought of reversal. It took me a second. I was like, reversal of fortune? I was like, oh. But how, how corny was it, though? They, I saw a video of Joey Chestnut walking down the aisle, you know, 
to the stage. He was like pretend. You could oh, tell yeah. he was like pretending to be, although he wasn't pretending. Like he was dead serious, but he was like pretending to be a like a world wrestling entertainer did or a you, did you see AEW the, star since AEW's coming here on Saturday. Let's use that one. Like, did you see all the memes afterwards of his like intense stares? Uh, like it's, I like haven't I yet. The, I, 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 I checked out. I saw one that had like him like uh, or like not side by side, but above and, and below of him and LeBron just with an intense glare. And just uh, remember when uh, um, uh, the the player that was drafted first by the Spurs last week, mm. he put he called him the greatest athlete. Yeah, I know. No. And yeah, and he was dissing Michael Jordan last week when he got drafted. Wembenyama, baby, Victor Wembenyama. I think I'm saying that correct. Wemben, yeah, like Victor Wembenyama. I think he's eight foot seven and like a uh, hundred and fifty two pounds. The guy's a pencil. <laughs> Who's the one WWE legend? Since we're talking the pencil neck geek, classy Freddie Blassie. Blassie. Let's go, classy Freddie Blassie. Hey, we're late for a break. We want to hear from Jamal Morrill uh, coming up next, and uh, keep texting us up. By the way, three zero six nine three six. 6262. You are listening for, to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Hey, yo, Ballsy just called us and said Joey Chestnut is not an athlete. He's not wrong. I mean, I, I kicked off hour one by saying this, this guy... No, I want to be careful because, you know, Joey Chestnut, he's welcome to the Queen City anytime to slug dogs, you know, donuts. He's, he's coming back here next month. He's coming back here. So I don't want to diss Joey Chestnut, but come on. You know, it's a dude with a gut who could shovel hot dogs into his stomach. Not much, I, you know, that's not an athlete. But uh, I, we could do a whole show talking about that. Uh, let, let's uh, let's transition to someone who is an athlete, a very good one at that, and that is Riders running back Jamal Morrow, and uh, we chatted with him after practice today. No, but um, it was good. It was really good. I mean, definitely a confidence builder just for not even us, but for the whole line. You know, I mean, we... I mean, at the end of the day, like, that was all, like, a lot of the offensive linemen, you know, we had a great push and being able to have that dominant, you know, if you dominate up front, you know, you usually get the win. So that definitely made it easier for me. And so, I mean, it was it was definitely felt good, you know. And so just, to, you know, it kind of a stepping stone to build up to this next week. What do you have to do to once again get over 100 yards against Edmonton? They, they for the most of the game, had you in check, but then fourth quarter is when you guys took over the run game last time out as well. Yeah, I mean, they're a very good team. I mean, their defense is a very good, a very physical defense. And so for us, this is kind of, you know, we just got to be able to start fast and, you know, kind of pick up the things that we learned from the last time we played them and, you know, the, uh, pick up what we did um, last week. So this is all about improving and we stick to our script. You know, the offense, our old line will dominate up front, and I think that would help us, uh, you know, with, with the run game. How much can you look at that week one game and, and find tendencies that they did or didn't do to pick apart this, this week? Yeah, a lot. I mean, we, we noticed that. I mean, there's, there's there's certain things that they run and uh, that we need to take advantage of. And I think we know we have some things in place, you know, to, to do that. And, um, for, I mean, honestly, just like this, the last, you know, three games they played after us. I mean, you just pick up and start learning from film. And so, I mean, I think, like, for us, it's just continuing just to, you know, improve each and every day. And, um, you know, we're just, you know, the, like I said, the O-line makes my job so much easier. So they've been doing a great job of, you know, getting movement and so yeah we just got to continue to, to, to do that. And despite all the changes in the offensive line does that change anything for you? It's It seems like you know week one week two that same group then totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean I mean at the same at the end of the day like we had 
we have those guys that we all played together, at least at one time, you know. So, like, Bandy, we played a lot last year, so I'm very confident in him. And, you know, so the other two ta our other tackles we have played before, too. So, I mean, it's not like it's a new group, but, I mean, it's just like, you know, playing all together in continuity, right, making sure we're all on the same page. And so I think we know you those guys like, like, like Peter, but he sticks around, and, you know, he's able just to get involved with pass protection and stuff like that and, like, different calls and making sure we're all on the same page. What do you – how has pass protection been? That was something maybe I, I know you've worked on in previous seasons. Mm -hmm. We noticed it in the last game. We, you picked up some blitzes coming through, which really helped Trevor get the ball away. Yeah, I mean, that's always a game you want to, you know, improve on. And it's the most important part. I mean, I'm not going to be able to play if I can't, you know, protect Trevor. So um, that's something I really take pride in in this terms of, you know, picking up blitzes. And, um, you know, there's always things you want to work on, you know, placement-wise of your hands or, you know, body position. So stuff like that. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, throughout the first couple weeks, it's been okay. But, but, you know, it's always need to room to improve. How does a running back get better at pass protection? Who, who do you ask? To, like, do you just kind of figure out how to pick up the blitz, or yeah. how do you study that? <laughs> it's a, it's a mindset thing. I think more of it is just coming with a mindset. And um, the main thing is making sure you and the center are on the same page. So if we're on the same page, we're reading the same thing, and that makes everything flows together. So it's making sure we're 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 me and the center are on the same page, and we see what the O line is doing, and that makes it easy for us just to you know the physical or the mental part, so we can be it physically. How do you get on the same page as the center, especially when you're in a shotgun? And it seems like you're a few yards back from yeah us. i mean it's just i mean i said that's when we have meetings and you know we do all, a whole bunch you know pass, pass protection stuff throughout the week and so you know that just kind of makes it like i mean for us it's just more second hand and making sure we're all on the same page and so it's just as a position you know it's what you need to do and you know we do to try to do a really good job at it with thursday's game being a throwback night retro night is there a memory that you, you know you're kind of hoping to relive on thursday night against I mean, my first 100-yard game was against Edmonton last year. So, I mean, if I could, you know, stack that up, you know, it would be a great memory, you know, to, to relive, you know, this Thursday. your thoughts about those retro jerseys? Are we, are we wearing the retro jerseys? Yeah. Wait, this is news. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> I I, yeah, I thought it was the late. All right, well, we just, hey, well, that's even better than I love those jerseys. So, I mean, I mean, you know, it's always good to switch it up, you know, change the swag up a little bit. So, I'm, I'm excited for that. I mean, I just... Learn that now. So Craig, thanks. <laughs> Blaine, Blaine Wyland, that's Cray, man. You broke him the news today, Jamal Morrow. Yeah. <laughs> you broke him the news. He did not know. So I'm assuming the Riders haven't changed their decals yet on the helmet. Yeah. Maybe they have, and he just hasn't put the two and two together. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, have like, you I, seen the helmet lately? I, I haven't seen that. No, I didn't see the. Hmm. They don't have the the helmets uh, first Thursday, and you know, majority of the guys got the guardians on anyway. Oh, so, that's yeah. true. Um, but it was kind of weird because yeah, like we were talking to Derek Moncrief and Jaden Dalkey, they seemed like they knew. It. But then yeah, Jamal Moore was a little surprised when I mentioned to him about the the retro jerseys coming on for Thursday. But uh, <laughs> God, I love those jerseys so much. I can't wait to see them. Well, a lot of people think, and I agree, they should be wearing them full time because if they did, bar none, the best uni in the oh, Canadian yeah. Football League. Although I would say I would like this. I'm a big fan of gray face masks. Gray face masks really make the uni pop. And I think if you slapped on a gray face mask with that retro uni, whoo, believe me, some sparks would fly <laughs> sparks would fly above mosaic stadium if that happened hey we're gonna take a break and press coverage with glenn Suter is on the way next glenn Suter just uh, uh was on the call for that toronto argonauts win yesterday versus the bc lions alongside marshall ferguson you are listening to the sports cage for saskatchewan lotteries on 620 ckrm 
Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. And your Red Sox report is for the Canadian Brew House. Head over to the CBH. This coming week and take in all the Canadian Football League action that you can. They have a new menu there. They have all the beverages you can ask for. Dollar off tankards. They got all the food you can ask for. The Canadian Brew House is the place to go to watch your sports. And speaking of watching sports, you could hit the Curry Field tonight to watch your Regina Red Sox as they take on the Medicine Hat Mavericks. First pitch tonight is at 7.05 p.m. The Red Sox coming off a series sweep. The Sox swept the Medicine Hat Mavericks over the weekend in Medicine Hat. 12-2 on Saturday on Canada Day and then a nice 8-5 win on Sunday, July the 2nd. So the Sox, they will be playing at home all week long tonight versus Medicine Hat, tomorrow versus Medicine Hat, and then Thursday and Friday, both those games against the visiting Okotoks Dogs. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, 537 inside the sports cage and press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Glenn Suter joins us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. And Glenn, I saw that you were doing the game last night at BMO Field alongside Marshall Ferguson. And uh, it's not very often, I feel like. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, not very often that you get to call a game at uh, BMO Field. No, I, I don't go east really all that much. But this week, because all the games yeah. were out there, there were no Western matchups. So, uh, Western teams play, but no, no, no games in the West. So, yeah, that yeah. was the reason. I, I'm, I basically do two of the four, and there was three this weekend. So, yeah. two of them and one in Ottawa and one in Toronto. Well, but, that was, uh, that was some yeah, type of game, huh? I mean, my goodness. I mean, tuning into the game, I didn't see it all, but, uh, was not expecting number one. Vernon Adams Jr. to throw six interceptions. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, number two, I wasn't expecting... Uh, well, I kind of was expecting Chad Kelly, I guess, to have another good performance. And uh, I guess let's start there, Glenn. Chad Kelly, uh, before we talk about Vernon Adams Jr., Chad Kelly, he just keeps on building up upon uh, you know performances. He looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, he, he really is. First of all, he's really playing well. And, and first of all, I, I think the you know, thing that football fans have seen right away is that he's a dual threat. I mean, uh, out of all the quarterbacks in the league, including guys like Cody Fajardo, I think Cody Fajardo is a guy that will run and use his legs a ton. VA does it as well, Vernon Adams. But they do it when they're scrambling or climbing up in the pocket or, or trying to escape. They, they Argos are one team in the league that are calling quarterback runs. So quarterback sweeps, that those are high school type plays. And and not I'm not demeaning it. I think it's great when you have the right quarterback to do that. And Chad Kelly seems to be that guy. So he's he's a dual threat. But you know, after the game we interviewed him, Zinger, and I thought it was interesting his all his answers, if I could sum them up, they touched on a few things. They touched on accountability because he said in the interview, 
all the sacks that they gave up in that game were his fault. He said, he said, you know, I, my old line played great. We're running the ball excellent. All the sacks that we gave up today are the pressures that were all my fault. I got to get, I got to make my reads and get the ball out of my hands. He showed, he showed great humility there and accountability. Um, and then there was this side that came out at the end, which really showed his confidence bordering on arrogance almost. Like he, he says, yeah, the Lions tried to play man coverage. Don't play man coverage against us. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, man, this is start number four for him. And, and he, he mixed in humility accountability and then that confident confident swagger at the end of it and i thought he's i think he's the real deal i really do yeah don't you think there's like a good opportunity here for the cfl to like really uh take this guy and market him because um, not only because uh, you know his uncle's jim kelly but just the fact that he's such a good football player and he has such a strong personality well, I, I, you know, there's a lot of players that they could do that with. Mm-hmm. And Trevor, Har- Trevor Harris is one of them, you know, as a veteran, been around a long time. But, yeah, for, for sort of the young one, the guy that you say, hey, for those who are saying, you know, where's the next really good quarterback? Well, Chad Kelly can be that guy. And, no, he's, he's going to go through ups and downs. I, I don't know if there'll be another quarterback in the league that throws six picks in one game. Uh, because usually most other teams will go to their backup. And I, I was wondering about that with BC, but that's another story. I, I, I think you're right. I think Chad Kelly could be a guy they really lean into as far as marketing and getting them out there. Um, you know, he again, he has that real confident, I'm going to call it confidence, not mm. not arrogance at this point. Yeah. Cuz I I saw that I saw that sprinkle of humility in there too. So I'm going to call it confidence. Um and maybe that fits in really nicely in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. So the, the CFL record for most interceptions thrown in a single game is 7, I believe. Four quarterbacks have done so most recently by Matt Dunigan in 1990. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. Well, he threw six last night, three of which were picked off by Robert Centennial. Uh, was that the first time, Glenn, that you've ever been in attendance at a game where a quarterback throws six interceptions, or is there another game that you can remember that happening? Yeah, I think early in my career playing when we had Terry Irvin and Ken Hinton playing corners and Fran mm-hmm. McDermott and Steve Johnson were the halfbacks, and I was a rookie safety at that time. We, I think we had 35 picks that year. I think there was a couple of games where we – we had, uh, you know, five or six in a game, but it wasn't all from one quarterback. Yeah. Because the coaches would make the change, and then the backup would come in, and then we'd get him a couple of times, and, and it added up to six. So, there, I've seen that happen before many times, but not really seen a guy, you know, stay in the game, show kind of flashes of he's he's snapped out of it with a couple of really nice throws, and then another pick with a bad decision. So. I haven't really seen it, not in recent memory. I think he'll bounce back, though. I know people are a lot of people are saying, "Well, this is the Vernon Adams that we, you know, we thought he was," and I don't think that's completely fair, Zinger. I, I, you know, so so for for everyone who's doing that, and I, I think even maybe Michael is doing it a little bit, um, just saying that, "Well, this is what we thought he was." Doug Brown in Winnipeg said it on Twitter. 
you know, this is what we thought he was, and, you know, he's really inconsistent, and this is what Vernon Adams is. Not fair. I mean, he, he played three really good games, one in Winnipeg against the Bombers. And, you know, I, I think you can't dismiss the three good games because he had a real stinker. I mean, this was a game he wants to forget, no question. But you know what he did? He stood up after the game in front of the microphones and said, I've got to be better. He said, I, I've got to, I can't let my team down like that. That was, and he was, he was emotional. I could hear it in his voice. His voice was cracking like he was about to really break down. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody has to cry on camera to show that he cares. But Vernon Adams took full responsibility for every one of those picks. And I think he's going to bounce back. Some of those picks, though, Glenn, they weren't just, like, picks. They were, like, I don't even know the wording. They were, like, directly at defenders. Uh, it, it was just uh, head-scratching sitting back and watching that. Now, uh, I haven't played quarterback at a professional level, so I can't really you know speak too much on it, but it's not every day you just see those type those types of throws. You just wasn't seeing it. Uh, if if you were the head man there, would you have put in Dane Evans? Because clearly it wasn't VA's day. Yeah, you know, it's, and I think if Rick Campbell thought when he came out at halftime he was going to give him a chance, and there were there was a flash there where he hit a couple mm-hmm. of deep crossers, and 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 Rick Campbell probably thought at that time. I haven't talked to him yet since the game, but he, he probably thought at that time, uh, you know, he's he's bounced back. He's he's got it together. He's you know he took halftime to think about it, and he's and he's going to be okay. And then he threw another one, and now. You're at four, and the fifth one, I think, was the tipped one, mm. where where actually Robertson Daniel, who had a hat trick and an assist, and yeah. Yeah. And, and the touchdown. And six points, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that was the one he tipped, and so now, yeah, I thought maybe if there was going to be a moment, it would have been then, because there was still... There was still a quarter and a bit to play. They were in the third. And so you had the whole fourth quarter. But, you know, again, it was an 11-point game at that point. And I, I think Rick Campbell said, hey, VA's our guy, so we're only down by 11. So we're going to keep playing. We're going to, you know, and they believe they could come back. So, yeah, I think that could be debatable. I, I'll ask Rick Campbell about it and see what he says uh, going into the next week game against Montreal. But, yeah, uh, that's why they got Dane, right? Mm-hmm. They brought Dane for for that reason alone. This is press coverage with Glenn Suter here on the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire and uh, the Toronto Argonauts. They are three and zero for the first time in quick math thirty two years. Nineteen ninety one was the last time they were three and zero. And Glenn, you were playing at the time. Nineteen ninety one. What do you uh, you kind of mentioned it on the broadcast last night? I did catch that part, but for those that. Uh, weren't watching uh what was your season like in 1991 <laughs> yeah like that was that was interesting and i and i the way you said it thing was like you were playing back then like <laughs> i i know i <laughs> hey man I, know. I was just that born was in 1992 so everything seems old to me <laughs> yeah i know i thought kate i thought one of kate's introductions to the panel where she said Dave Naylor was reporting in 91. Matt Dunningham was playing. Um, uh, who else was? Oh, Milt, Milt Siegel, you were six years old, and I wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah, so, man. You know, I, 
I, I remember 91 because that was the, you know, the Argos candy. Yeah, um, great cup year. You know, Gretzky, Matt Dunnigan playing quarterback. I mean, it was quite the show, and I really remember that season. It wasn't a great one for us. Um, you know, I, I think we, we had a pretty good year that year. Um, but I, I remember the, the big show in Toronto with those owners, and that was uh, that's what jumps out about that season. But that was a long time ago, and this is a real team. This is a physical team. They're good on the offense and defensive lines. You saw what their secondary is capable of. And you know what? I, a, a tandem running game that they just pound people. Oh, that's one of my favorite guys in the league now. Mm. I mean, he, yeah. I love his style of play. I love it. Yeah, he's a wrecking ball. I mean, I love his eye yeah. black, too. He looks like a warrior out there. I love that guy. Hey, Glenn, uh, on the other side of the break, I want to talk to you about the big game coming up here on Thursday at uh, Mosaic Stadium, if you don't mind. We're just going to head to break here yeah, and be yeah. back with more press coverage for Quality Tire on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And back inside the cage here, it's uh, 5.50 local time here in Regina, Saskatchewan. And this is press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. So about, what are we at, 49 hours almost until kickoff at Mosaic Stadium between the Edmonton Elks, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And to begin the week, I was kind of thinking, oh, the Riders, they're going to roll the Elks. They're going to roll them. But then I started thinking some more. You know, I came to grips with with my mind, and I was like, do you know what? That's silly of me to think about because Taylor Cornelius is back at the helm for the Elks, and this is the same Taylor Cornelius who was running wild like Michael Vick last year, the last time he was playing at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, you better believe, now this, these are just my words, you better believe that Taylor Cornelius has some type of chip on his shoulder after being pulled, you know, after going 14 of 18 for whatever yards, being pulled for a guy that has no experience. So I ask you, Glenn Suter, this game coming up on Thursday, Taylor Cornelius back in the lineup for the Elks. I hate the term trap game. I just hate it. It's so cliche, but in a way, if if I were to use it here, this does kind of feel like a trap game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from a fan's perspective, at least. Well, you know, I mean, just comparing the records, you say that, but I, you know, I... I've all, always said, and you know, I, I said to my beer league hockey buddies, if if we come out of the warm up and we're looking at the other bench and we're saying, oh, they only got four guys over there, this should be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Every time we do that, we lose. Every single time because it's 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 sports, and the other guys have their own motivations. I mean, this is a desperate Edmonton team. When you are backed in a corner, when jobs are on the line, because you know if they lose a couple more, they've got to do something in, in Edmonton. And if it means, and I'm not firing a coach here, but if it means a change in the coaching staff somewhere, then who's the new coach going to like? Who's he going to bring in? Who do he, he want to bench or, or you know take off the practice roster and put in the lineup you know that that changes the dynamic of your team and and that's where players go you know i could be the next guy so um yeah it's interesting you, you make the point about the quarterbacks though because on one hand 
Taylor Cornelius absolutely would have a chip. I mean, he gets pulled, he gets benched, he doesn't even get a chance to go in when Jared Dagey wasn't really getting anything done offensively in Ottawa. He, he doesn't even get a chance to come off the bench and go and try and rescue that game. So I don't know where their mental psyche is in that quarterback room. Like, I'm talking to all the guys. I mean, mm-hmm. Trey Ford must feel like he's a forgotten man. I mean, Kyle Oxley gets cut. Khalil Tate is brand new, playing short yardage. And, and Jared Dagey and Cornelius have been swapped in and out over the last two games, and I'm, they're probably looking at each other going, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what could happen here. So I, I'm not sure if they're going to be, you know, chip on their shoulder going after it or it, we we often say I'm going to I'm going to jump out of that sentence real quick cuz we often say that a good start is good for any team in any game but a good start for Saskatchewan at home against a team that's been struggling as bad as they have with a quarterback rotation that just hasn't made sense a lot of times a good start there puts them right back in that here we go again mode very quickly. Yeah, I just don't like the way that Chris Jones has used his quarterbacks here. Like, if you're Taylor Cornelius, how do you go into this game and and play freely, like play your like yourself, knowing that you know who knows what's going to happen if I make a bad play here or there? Is that like a real thing that quarterbacks deal with? You know, being scared that they're going to get pulled to the to the point where you know it affects their play. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I really do think so. I, I think you can't have a quarterback looking over his shoulder. And again, back to Vernon Adams. I mean, yeah. he was on pick number five, and and Rick Campbell said, hey, you're our guy. So just keep slugging it out. It's still only an 11-point game, and then they threw the pick six, and that ended it. But, you know, I, I think that absolutely does happen for quarterbacks, and it happens for teams, too. Now, Now, it can be a good thing. And the Riders have to be careful with this one because there's some good players over there. They have a tremendous receiving core. They have a back they're using more now over the last couple of years in Kev- or games in Kevin Brown. And, you know, you, you added Cornelius running a little bit more in that first half a couple weeks ago. And if he can do that a ton, it adds another dynamic to their offense. So, you know, they have to be careful with the fact that this locker room might be saying, look, who knows what these last decisions were all about, but all that matters is the guys in this room. This can be something that galvanizes you. It can pull you apart for sure, but as a locker room, it can also galvanize a room because now it's not you against the coaches, but you're just saying, I don't know what they decide or whatever, but guys, we're on the field. So it's just about us. Let's just, let's just, you know, play for each other in this room right now. And let's go and win a football game because I guarantee you they're not they're not happy losing. Nobody is, not especially yeah. at the pro level. Yeah, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders along the offensive line they just can't seem to catch a break on this injury report. Peter Godber, he's going to be out on Thursday with that hand injury. So uh, Logan Bandy, more than likely, I'm assuming, will get the start at center for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Colin Kelly, right tackle, he is uh, questionable with an illness. So even coming off a of bye week, uh, the rider offensive line questions still up in limbo right now, which is uh, you know not ideal this early in the season. No, no, and especially when they were starting to build. I mean, Trevor yeah. Harris had put a couple of big games together as far as yards, even even in one of the losses 
you know, in that loss, he he put together some some good passing yards. And Jamal Morrow. I mean, Jamal yeah. Morrow was the leading leading rusher going into last week. So, you know, I I think, yeah, they were starting to gel, and this this is a bit of a setback. But you, you know what, Zinger? Every team has their issues. Mm. Uh, the the Lions the Lions lost two of their starters that they got back in this game last night in in Toronto in Dominic Rhymes and Keon Hatcher, but they didn't have Hatcher for the first three games of the season. Like if you took. Yeah. You know, another top receiver out of the lineup, then then you're dealing with that too. So every team has their issue. Look at Calgary. Calgary's lost their entire receiving core right now. Oh yeah, they're they're hurting right now in Calgary when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. One good note is that Jane Dalkey looks like he will be back uh, coming up here on Thursday, yeah. Glenn. I know that excites you, being a, a former Canadian safety in this league. And uh, Jane Dalkey had a nice start to the season, so uh, I know Ryder fans excited about that one. Are you going to be calling the game on Thursday here, Glenn, or what's your lineup this week? I am. It's that time of year, Zinger, where I was walking out of the airport while I was um, booking my seat for tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) where I go back to the airport and get on the plane and go to Saskatchewan. So as I'm walking out of the airport from Toronto, I was confirming my flight for tomorrow to Regina. Hey, our our airport here in Regina does not technically have a name. It's just called International Airport. We should name it... Suter Airport, just for all the time Suter lands here in the Queen City. I mean, just thinking about it over the years, must be like hundreds of times. Uh, Glenn, can't wait to see you in town here and uh, have a good call on Thursday. Thanks for your time, as always. Thanks, Zinger. We'll talk about it in the pregame, too. We'll, we'll yes, sir. That That's right. Uh, Rider Nation pregame show. Michael Ball will be chatting live up in the press box with Glenn Suter about an hour uh, before kickoff. So, uh, yes, press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Well, that was a fun show today. We'll be back with uh, some more tomorrow, some more news from Ryderville. And once we chat with you tomorrow... We will be another day closer to the big game on Thursday. 7 o'clock kickoff, Elks and Riders. Can you hear it in my voice? I am excited. All right, it's time to do some Red Sox baseball. The Regina Red Sox taking on the Medicine Hat Mavericks tonight, 7.05 p.m. at Curry Field. Come if you can. Have a hot dog, just not 62 of them.